Welcome to Reading and Ranting, where we read obsessively and rant about life in our 20s. I'm Mia. And I'm Carly. And today we're going to be talking about why our fictional boyfriends are better. Yes, this is all going to be about why we don't need boyfriends when we have fictional boyfriends and a vibrator. So first, I think we should get into who our book Sexual Awakening was with. Like, what was the fictional boyfriend that you were, like, having that little middle school obsession over where you're like, this is my boyfriend, like, oh my god, like, I will cut a bitch. Like, if yeah. you're if you're team Jacob and I'm team Edward, like, we can't be friends anymore type of vibe. Yes, well, definitely team Edward, represent, um, if you were team Jacob, well, Maybe you're team Jacob and Renesmee. If so, foul. Foul. But for me, it's funny because this book did not, it was so YA. It barely had like any sort of romance like at all. But my definite sexual awakening was Percy Jackson with his relationship with Annabeth, daughter of Athena. Obviously the books, like, like I said, they were super YA, but like I read smutty Percy, Percybeth fan fiction like religiously me and my friend were obsessed we used to have sleepovers and playdates and we would just individually read Percybeth fan fiction like that's how obsessed we were like we wouldn't even talk it's like nowadays when you're like watching tiktoks next to your friend and you guys are both just silent on the couch like that was us but we were reading fan fiction wait the exact same thing happened with we me and one of my best friends <laughs> one time we were on a nine hour road trip and my best friend literally like because we knew we were gonna lose service we each opened like I swear to God, like 60 tabs, like one with each chapter. And we just sat there and like read the exact same fan fiction side by side on our phones individually. That's so fun. Yeah. No, I mean, it's real. Like the fan fiction addiction is real, but I loved like a nice smutty. I don't know what it was, honestly. Like, I don't know what it was about Percy. I think I just loved the story. Um, And I love, you know, good like Greek, um, Greek gods book and everything like that and maybe it was because he was you know blue blue eyed brown hair like kind of my type then probably the movie came out at some point and I loved Logan Lerman like was actually obsessed with Logan Lerman I'm still white white boy of the year of like my (laughs) life of the decade I'm still a Logan Lerman fangirl but that was that was mine what about you Mia I'm curious I feel like we've talked about this but Yeah, so I think that mine, it could be a tie between Hunger Games, Katniss, and PETA. Same vibe, like, so YA, like, not even a lot going on. Like, I swear to God, they kissed, like, twice in that entire series. Yeah. But just, like, had that level of obsession, and, like, PETA was definitely, like, the book boyfriend that, like, I just thought he was so sweet, and, like, their story was obviously, like, insanely complicated, too. Like, it definitely was not a romantic book. But I think my real one, when we're talking, like, sexual awakening definitely twilight like bella and edward 100 percent mm-hmm. and I, those do get smutty oh yeah they get hot like breaking dawn i was mm-hmm. like fuck yeah and i think i was in like ninth grade well for us it's like it's like the over i think i was younger than ninth grade like i read twilight. twilight in like like fifth grade i don't know why my mom let me read those but my grade, entire really? family I, I read them in middle school i swear i was young i swear and my mom my sister and i were all reading them at the same time well the first one came out in like 2008 so maybe i did read them in middle school yeah i was definitely in middle school it was like i was reading stuff before i even knew what that stuff was so 
<laughs> yeah. I read Fifty Shades of Grey like immediately after reading Twilight, so maybe that's what I'm thinking mm-hmm. of. But yeah, well, I'm not shocked that like a sexual awakening would be Edward Cullen and just that whole storyline because who doesn't want a broody 100-year-old sparkling, glistening vampire like basically being like, I've been waiting my whole life for you and now you're here and basically doing anything to protect you. Like that that was the key. But I don't think I ever really read Twilight fan fiction personally. I was more of like a Percibeth like Germione, just things like Stan. I don't well, know. let me let me tell you. I went through fanfiction.net and AO3, and I read smut fanfiction about Bella and every single character pairing you could possibly think of. Like, I swear to God, I went through like probably the top whatever forty or fifty stories that you could find for Bella and Edward, and I was like whatever i'll go look at like some bella jacob probably read every single story to ever exist there literally read like bella carlisle like bella jasper bella emmett like daddy carlisle i think i even read like one that was really hot that was bella and seth even though he was like 16 like i don't even know she was 18 not much older but you know he was probably 14 honestly yeah that's that's iconic love that for you so i feel like that you know really says a lot about i mean Twilight set the bar, like, set the standard for, like, reinvigorating, like, female gaze, female gaze, fictional boyfriends. Fictional boyfriends. Yes. So, I think it's only fitting. Yes. No, it is fitting. That's why the Percy Jackson is a little out there, but back in the day, it really made sense, and I wish I could recall why he was, like, my go-to smut, like, read, but I couldn't tell you, but, you know, young Carly, she was just, like, having fun. She was, she was reading some smut. Um, but yeah, I would say like when I started reading when I was younger and I was so obsessive, I loved reading. Part of the reason why I loved a fictional boyfriend was I was so afraid of boys and, uh, I was, didn't even know how to talk to boys. Like I was so shy and quiet and insecure. And this was kind of when like, especially middle school, some girls are starting to be like boy crazy and confident. All these girls have like little boyfriends, like week after week like no I barely even talked to boys like no boys liked me first of all I was in the depths of my awkward phase um and that really like affected me I feel like for so long I didn't know how to talk to a boy I didn't even know what a romance felt like so I turned to like book boyfriends and I was like basically imagining all these male fictional characters as like a romantic interest and it was like an escape you know I literally thought one day I would have a romantic relationship like in my books and I was waiting for it to happen it did not yeah no I a thousand percent was like I'm gonna find my Edward Cullen like he's gonna like treat me so sweetly and like be rich and like come save my life and save me from how boring my life is yeah absolutely not has not happened yeah I also think I was like a really horny motherfucker of like a tween a teenager uh, yeah dude so like, those hormones be going stupid yeah like everybody fucking talks about how like boys in puberty like they can't keep it in their pants or like whatever like girls fucking dress code issues like this shit gets me heated but like your shoulders are gonna distract a boy and he's gonna get a boner in class like Girls, every girl I know is either just as horny as a guy or, like, fucking more. Especially, yeah. like, in middle school. We're literally just taught to re- repress that shit. Oh, 100%. I mean, I 
barely even knew that like like I remember when I would read smut like it kind of felt like something I had to keep to like myself um like I was like embarrassed by it like I think I've talked about this like I was like embarrassed by reading fan fiction like I wouldn't really tell people because it was kind of like embarrassing to be so obsessive about these like fictional like things that didn't even exist um but yeah I definitely thought once I hit high school I would have like a really intense romance that would sweep me off my feet and you know, like my life would change. And yeah, it, it didn't happen. I didn't even have my first boyfriend until I was 21 years old. So maybe, maybe reading and like having fictional book boyfriends kind of hindered me in that way because I didn't really let myself date a regular man, but who knows? Time, time will tell, but I still haven't really met a man that would live up to any of these fictional men. Yeah. So, I mean, here we are full circle. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We're back in our reading era. We've rediscovered our fictional boyfriends, and I think we can both admit that we still prefer our fictional men to men IRL because have yet to meet one that lives up to these expectations. Yeah, maybe it'll never happen. But and it's like the expectations, obviously, like the looks, but it's also like personality banter the way that they get along with the female characters most of the time they're like supporting of the powerful main female character as well just things like that also it always helps when it's like they have powers or magic and it's very like oh like I would love to live in a world where I can like you know make a tsunami like Percy Jackson or use magic or things like that like an Akatar or whatever um but yeah I think you know I definitely need to escape the pages sometimes and find a man in real life, but it is really hard when you're comparing them to fictional men and books. Like, where are the men that will worship me in real life? I don't think they exist. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to find that man on Hinge, unfortunately. No. I mean, they'll, they'll tell you they'll worship you, but, like, maybe for the first few months. And then after that, it's kind of like well, a also, downhill battle. Also, to clarify, not just, like, worship my body. Like, yes, absolutely. But, like... Mm-hmm worship me like you were just saying like the female main characters that are written by women and the men written by women versus characters written by men like the female main character powerful badass like can take care of shit on her own and the usually the male love interest is like right there fucking with her like they are so proud of her for being powerful like they respect her for being powerful like they're a partner for her like they're to lean on but like they know she can handle her own shit true honestly respect to rick riordan who's the author of percy jackson like the fact that he is a male author but i was still obsessed with percy so clearly there are some like female gays there oh facts facts yeah so the fact that Annabeth was literally like way smarter than Percy, like Percy, was oh just, yeah, like, and he knew little, it. like jock, like he hero like, complex, <laughs> yeah, like he was like I'm really powerful because my dad is one of the big three gods, but Annabeth was like, well, I'm the daughter of Athena and I'm smart and like can fight, so like fuck you, I don't care. Yeah, like he was like, let me show you my water tricks and I'll seduce you, and she was like, oh, please. Well, and they were always in it together. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Percy, Annabeth, and Grover. They, yes! <laughs> they were Grover. like the trio. They were like the golden trio of the Harry Potter series, but it was Percy Jackson. Yeah. Um, I love a trio. I can't lie. Yes. I, I love, think that's sweet. And it's always great when it's two guys and one girl. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know why. It's just... Because it, it's like always the girl being like, you guys are dumb. Like, let's get back to like the point. Like... Yeah. I mean, I can't lie. I love a good trope, even if it's overused. Like, Mm -hmm. I I love it. I love it. Oh, obviously. I mean, why do you think we all love enemies to lovers so much and 
those type of tropes. Oh, yeah. They work. But I, I do think that this is, like, an important distinction. Like, I think the reason that a lot of women are the primary audience for romantic fantasy, romanticy, as Book Talk has termed it, mm-hmm. is because the romance is written in such a way that is meant for, like, female understanding. Um, and so I think I'll, like, take a minute here and kind of, like, put the female gaze definition out there, but it's kind of this feminist theory that refers to the gaze of a female spectator, character, or director of an artistic work, but beyond the gender, it's just, like, an issue of representing women as subjects having agency and freedom, um, so all genders obviously can create works of art with a female gaze, but the main point of it is that female characters have agency in the story. Exactly. And I think it's like focusing on the females. Like they're not like a, they're not like the best friend in the story. Like mm-hmm. they like are part of the main story. Honestly, yeah. a, a good example of this is Pride and Prejudice. Like it basically revolves around like Mr. Darcy and like, but at the same time, it's more about Elizabeth, Elizabeth and her sisters. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, Mr. Darcy, honestly, he, like, he's the side piece here in, in Pride and Prejudice, but... Well, and, like, that's, like, the whole point, even, of these types of storylines and, like, romantic fantasies is, like, oftentimes it's the woman finally caving and giving in and to falling the for them slowly rather than it revolving around the man. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. No, I always say, like... Even in real life, a man should always be the one chasing you, not the other way around. Like, all the successful relationships or when the guy meets you and basically, like, puts you into the girlfriend box immediately and they're, like, second date, like, they already know that they want to date you. Like, they mm-hmm. already know that they want you to be their girlfriend and the girl should be more like, yeah, like, they're they're fine. Like, maybe, like, they're, like, kind of like, they're like, yeah, he's cute. But, like, you know, he kind of said something that threw me off, so I'm going to see. And that's, like, a female gaze, you know? It's, like, the women are empowered to, like, make their own decisions versus, like, I feel like a male gaze, it's more like the girls are, like, the ones, like, throwing themselves at them or, you know, they don't have as much power to make, like, decisions versus, like, a female gaze. The girl's, like, yeah, like, I don't really care that all these guys are into me. Like, I'm going to do my own thing. Like, I'm a smart, intelligent woman. Um, Don't need no man. And, like their storyline doesn't revolve around the man. Exactly. Yeah, so... All these female gays, like, all of our favorite fantasy, like, Akatar, Daughter of No Worlds, um, even Throne of Glass, also by Sarah J. Mass, like, they all revolve around women, and, like, they're super independent, I feel like, these main characters, and half the reason why they struggle to, like, accept a man in their life is because of this like hyper independency. Um, but then like, I think that's honestly a female gaze. It's being a woman, you have to be so protected and like protect yourself from the world because the world can so easily take advantage of you. But a guy who basically convinced you to let them in because they won't take advantage of you and they will respect you. Like that's and they live up to it and they live up to your expectations. Like that is a female gaze. Like, Basically being able to let your guard down because you know someone else will support those walls of your guard. Like, you no longer have to support all all four walls by yourself because someone else can, like, help you. Yeah. It's, like, again, having that partner that, like, just, like, takes some of the burden off your shoulders. Like, they don't try to fix you. Like, so many times I feel like I've had partners that, like, when I've been going through something, they just want to fix it or they just want to give me a solution. Whereas I'm just, like, 
yeah, I, I think I mentioned this in another episode, but, like, sometimes you just need someone to sit with you in the dark. Like, mm-hmm. And I think that that's literally, like, what fictional boyfriends, mm-hmm. like, that's what women want. Like, they want someone who is so amazing to them and, like, respectful where they can let them in and, like, like just, like, take a breath. I feel like that's what I want. Like, in my life, like, a fictional boyfriend, like, I want a boyfriend who would do exactly that for me. And that's why romanticy romance books like women eat that shit up because it's so hard to find in real life someone who you, you're gonna trust enough to do that and then you basically read a book and you're like wow like if i had someone like that like that would be amazing yeah and it doesn't help that they also have sexual appeal you know we love a chiseled greek god but also like female gaze is so not appearance based like it mm. is in ways like the sex way maybe but also like how many characters do you know that are like low-key kind of like ugly or like described as like unique looking and like women go feral for them like Kaz from Six of Crows. Yeah so I mean it it's not necessarily about looks like obviously like these fey like six four cold-blooded warriors are like with the huge wingspan. Yeah mm-hmm. the wingspan it's always the wingspan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, they're amazing, but yeah, like, Kaz, he is such a unique character, and I don't want to get, like, too far into spoilers or anything, but he's, like, a cold-blooded murderer, and he's not described as, like, super attractive, and he's... Yeah, I mean, he's a limb. Yeah. Where he has a cane. Yeah, he he uses a cane. Wears gloves. He wears gloves. Weird. (laughs) Has, like, hella issues with, like, touch. Yes. Um, No, like, sexual appeal at all, really. Yeah, but... The slow burn is still there. Mm-hmm. And the pining. And, like, the way... And the caring for the female character mm-hmm. and looking after her, even from... Afar. Afar. I know. Because Inej, like, she's also someone who's she's so protected for, like, because of her experience mm-hmm. in, um, what's it called? The, the menagerie. The menagerie. Yeah. And Kaz is, like basically picked her out of there and, like, saved her, kind of. But the way but that they saved her by empowering her, by, like, giving her a job, exactly. like using he, her like, talents. He didn't save her in the way where she's like, oh, my God, I'm a damsel in distress. Like, no, like, she was super powerful, but, like, he got her out of that bad situation. And then rather than continuing to be like, I'm your hero, he tossed her in. He was like, now you can fend for yourself because, like, I know you have it in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think the other really important part of these romantic kind of plot lines is the slow burn is so critical to this writing and I think that the real life application of this is foreplay yes and foreplay is something where men they do not pay attention to the foreplay and that is their biggest downfall and I want to say like not to like we're speaking from experience here, yes. right? I know that there are plenty of, like, sexy, hot, attractive men out there that, like, know how to eat pussy, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, for the most part of my experiences, I need that, like, mental foreplay before I could eat, like, yeah, I need mental the before mental it's even sexual. attraction before I could even think about getting sexual, and so in these books, like, we're fucking 500 pages of 
flirtation and sexual tension in that's just been like building the entire time between the characters before there's even maybe even a kiss like much less I mean sex. it always, always starts with the the men seeing the scars on oh, their yeah. on their lover and saying I'll kill whoever did this to you and that's like the mental foreplay we all need but yeah I mean that relates to like what women need in real life like it's like before you have sex like you need to have some foreplay where it's not going to be enjoyable because like you're not going to be as stimulated and things like that but like same in a book like slow burn like i love i'm a germany fan fiction girl draco malfoy and um hermione granger from harry potter and like so many of those are slow burn like yes they're like enemies to lovers trope but it's the slow burn of like turning from enemies to lovers and with that it's like the sexual tension of like liking each other but also being enemies and then kind of becoming something more and past that and uh, it's just so good like the banter it's because it's the banter and the flirting, but then like the small little physical touches that build up, like the brush of a hand or a shoulder. And the mutual or, respect. Yeah, and the mutual respect. Just so good. So mm-hmm. I think this is just all to say that our fictional boyfriends all come together to form this picture of like what I really do want in a man. And again, maybe my standards are too high thanks to these fictional boyfriends, but that's like really what I'm holding out for. Yes. And, you know, for an example, like if you're struggling to picture what we're talking about, like a slow burn, you know, like a, a, a female gaze, listen to this paragraph, this this part of the book from Daughter No Worlds by Carissa Broadbent. So if you're looking to read this or you have not read it yet, skip the next minute of this episode. Yes. Thank you for that spoiler alert, Mia. All right, here we go. There was a long pause. Max's hand hovered. What about this, I said at last, pointing to the third stratogram. Max straightened. When he spoke again, his voice was lower, rougher, as if he were tethering something back. That one will bring you here. He paused, cleared his throat. If, if you ever wanted to return, it will only work within a few miles, but... He, his voice trailed off and did not resume. Gods, at once I understood... This was not about the necklace, beautiful and finely crafted as it was. He wasn't giving me another pretty trinket. No, Max. Max, the man who had taken such great care to carve out his own solitary corner of the world, was giving me what I never had. The real gift was not the necklace. The gift was a home to come back to. Ah! So good. (laughs) So good. That's the slow burn that we're That's talking about. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, I this has me giggling and kicking my feet. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, actually, the way that, like, they had not even done... This was the first even, like, sexual, like, moment they ever really had had. Like, they had, like, obviously, like, if you read the book, you know, like, they had had... They're getting very close and things like that. Like, they were becoming good friends. But they were, like, friends first, and the respect was, like, building there, and... The way that it just all of a sudden turned because of this, like, moment of him giving her this gift and, like, putting it on her as a necklace and him, like, putting it on her and, like, her bare shoulder, brushing it with his hands and just so good, like. And like you said, it's from that that one moment, he's like, she's it for me. Like, I'm done. Oh, yeah. From that point on, like, everything in their relationship changed. And they didn't even, like, get together or have sex, like, immediately after that. I think it was, like, a lot like a couple chapters after if not like multiple numerous but it was just so good like that pining and the female gaze and like 
it wasn't like he was coming on to her so aggressively. It kind of just like blossomed naturally. It was so beautiful. And I love that that I scene. Just love, I just love them so much. They're, this is honestly, if you haven't read it yet, this is an extremely underrated series, I think. So if you're trying to get through your Akatar hangover, and trust me, we have a ton of book recommendations that we can help with that. But Daughter of No Worlds was by Carissa Broadbent was seriously one of the first series that like really, 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 truly gave me those Akatar vibes. So yeah. if you're looking for that, here you go. We're going to do an episode on book recommendations and everything to cure your Akatar hangover, but that will come eventually. But yeah, I mean, Daughter of No Worlds, Mia told me that it cured her hangover. I eventually read it and I completely agreed. Like I was hooked i finished three of these books i think in like four days yeah so so stay tuned we're doing a lot of market research aka reading reading (laughs) (laughs) you utilizing our kindle unlimited memberships and we'll have a lot of content for you guys so don't worry i mean i was laughing i saw someone on instagram posted they were like number seven book of the month or of the year it's because you know it's 2023 it's may so only five to six months in we're almost at june they're like we're oh it's like a flex where they're at their seventh book meanwhile i'm like i think i'm on like 30 by this point if you count the like 50 chapter fan fictions that i also read and i read like 20 of those yeah Yeah, so i'm like 30 books in this year my my little story graph shout out the story graph app i'm not a goodreads girly i'm sorry Mm -hmm. if if you are i love that for you i just don't have my shit together like that yeah i can't be leaving reviews for every single book that i read but on my story graph app yeah, I think I'm on book 27. It's crazy. And it's like like 20,000 pages read. Because these are like 600-page yeah. books. Exactly. Like, they're not even like little like novels. Yeah, so trust us when we say we're doing the market research. We're going to have more episodes. We're going to deep dive into like all of our favorite books and just get ready because you can be like us and have no life and read 30 books in six months. All right, now to our favorite section, the rant section. And today we're going to be talking about how post-grad, I mean, this relates to the fictional boyfriends. Like, boys just do not live up to her expectations and kind of just how, like, expectations for boys and dating and, like, even just, you know, general dating, they change so much after college and kind of how that, like, affects you, especially as, like, a young woman who's single. Yeah, and it's like everyone has a different journey, but I know for me, I wasn't looking for anything, and so I didn't care that, you know, guys were playing me because I was like, well, whatever, I'm literally here for the same reason as yeah. you. Out, fuck, out, fuck boy, the fuck boy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was my favorite thing to do, and I was the same way. Like, I, me and my friends especially, like, we all, like, empowered each other to kind of do, like, booty calls because it wasn't, like, a booty call. Like, I never felt like... I was a booty call because exactly I was like I'm booty calling you as well and like if I am having sex with you it's because I want to have sex with you it's not because you want to have sex with me like I am empowered oh 100% but things have definitely changed and I don't know if that's because you know me and I both got out of like serious relationships and just like the respect for myself went up but also just like standards going up but definitely not impressed with the single like dating scene the amount of men that I've met and it's been like a great little me cute like meeting men them asking me for my number me being like excited and them texting me to like a group hangout like 
you couldn't even like take me to a drink by ourselves. Like this isn't college. I'm not going to your frat to a pregame to then get drunk and go home with you. Like that's not how things work anymore. And it's honestly disrespectful. And like that was great in college. Like such yes. an easy way to like meet it's people and meet guys because it's college and that's what you're supposed to be doing. But like now I'm just like, really? I, I need some effort. I need because I'm putting in the that fair fucking minimum the bare fucking minimum and exactly it's like I'm putting in effort to go on a date or like want to talk to you and then when you ask me to a group hangout like I shouldn't even have wasted my breath giving you my number like like now it's just a random strange man has my number because I'm not going on a date with you to go to a group hangout that's not even a date that's a group hangout like I don't need more friends. I don't need more guy friends unless I'm actively searching for a group of guy friends. Like, I will let you know. But if you're asking me for my number and this isn't, like, a group hangout, like, we're literally meeting individually, like, take me on a date or, like, don't text me at all. I'd rather you just not text me at all. Yeah, and I think that other thing, too, and again, maybe this is just because we're in that post-breakup period, but I've just realized how much time and energy dating takes so much it's just gonna it's gonna really take a lot for me to want to bring someone else in my life like I'm only gonna date a partner that's gonna be a value add but Mm -hmm. going through the first dates to find that so bad just seems so hard I mean me and I have talked about this like neither of us are really like dating app girlies like we try we're not the girls that are like I will not go on hinge because I expect to meet my like fairy princess prince boyfriend like in real life because i know so many people that refuse to go on dating apps but i think that kind of like hinders you because you're not really letting yourself meet guys because a lot of people do meet online these days but i just feel like it's not really the best because like mia said it's like i kind of want to have that connection immediately where we meet and i know immediately that i'm interested versus going on a hinge date and being like i don't really know if i'm interested because you're not even a real person yet you're literally just a person you're like a photo on a screen and then you become a real person but then it's kind of too late because you're locked into a date and then if it goes badly you don't have that connection you just sit there hearing about someone's life that you don't care about and sit there for 30 minutes getting like drinks and most of the time they're either gonna like want to get multiple drinks and you're gonna want to get the fuck out of there or they're only going to buy you one drink and you'll be sitting there twiddling your thumbs being like if i'm here then i might as well get drunk but i'm not going to buy myself a drink god hinge dating is just it's rough it's just tough it's, it's tough real out there. It's, it is tough out here yeah. but i wouldn't give up being single i feel like a lot of people mistake like complaining about dating for being unhappy single but it's like single people just kind of have to unite by complaining about dating but at the end of the day it's like I'm still really happy having my books and having my alone time and my independence and not having to worry about anyone else's emotions other than myself and like my friends you know yeah and just like focusing on like my me myself and I like literally yeah and that is so amazing like I know plenty of people who are in health relationships where they're like growing alongside their partner and I want that for myself one day absolutely but right now I'm content to just be on my own and doing that yeah exactly but it is hard because just because we don't really want to go on hinge dates or like we want to meet the right person doesn't mean that we don't have needs but it's hard <laughs> me is sitting over here laughing <laughs> what i just of, what kind of needs do you have okay. well, i have sexual needs and yes the, like we said at the beginning like all you need are fictional boyfriends and a vibrator like you don't need a boyfriend when you have those two 
But it's hard because it's like I want to have sex and I want to have that like romantic connection with someone. Not even romantic, I guess just like physical. But I also like in college, I never felt this way. But now I just feel like I have like this like shamed kind of casual sex. And I don't know why. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just like, like I said, like my standards have kind of gone up and most of the time if it's going to be a one night stand or casual I don't really feel like that guy like deserves to have sex with me so it's even like I feel like my want to have casual sex has lessened because I don't feel like the guys deserve it but back in the day I didn't really care if they deserved it or not because I was like I deserve it like yeah, I deserve so to get that deep exactly like, it was like I want it yeah so I'm gonna go after it exactly but now it's like as much as I want it I don't want it enough to like get like not like check all the boxes Mm -hmm. like not have only half the boxes checked because I'm kind of like eh if you're not really doing it for me then like I could just do another day having using my vibrator um yeah and just men they just never live up to like the fantasy expectations and it's, it's like is it me am I the problem yes I am but for a good reason but also like I will call myself out for that like I literally left mid hookup a few a few weeks ago because I was just like no I'm done with this like I'm over it like I think we literally were making out and I was like you know what I want to go home and I had no shame about that and I think I need to do that more often yeah I think the guy was like oh my god what did he say I think I told you he was like oh, like, have I done something to offend you? And I was like, honestly, no. Like, I'm just ready to go home. Yeah, you're like, I don't need to explain myself for, like, wanting to leave. Like, totally, totally fine. But yes, I just, I think something else which other people might relate to is, like, especially after my relationship, I started getting really bad, like, post-nut clarity, like, anxiety. And I say post-nut clarity, like, I didn't nut. Like, don't worry, I did not. It was, it was just clarity. The post-nut refers to, like, the sexual intercourse. But, yeah, it was just clarity. And I've had the worst, like, post-hookup anxiety of my life. And not it, I, like, have these men, it's like, I'm not even, like, doing anything with them. Like, we don't even, like, we barely even touch. But, like... I just have had the worst clarity, not post night, clarity in my life. And I can't really explain why, but I do think it has to deal with these like expectations and just like wanting a guy to kind of sweep me off my feet and not like forcing it. Like half these guys, I feel like I'm kind of forcing, forcing it. Forcing a connection. I'm forcing connection. And the next day I think my body's just like, ew, no, because you knew that wasn't for you. Like, why did you do that? Oh, the vagina can tell. Yeah. Like your vagina will literally tell you, I'm sorry, girlies. Like if you're <laughs> having UTIs, yeast infections, BV with the man that you are dating, seeing, hooking up with, that is your body's way of, rejecting him yeah like I swear to god every single man that's ever given me a UTI I once went three months with back-to-back UTIs had to go to a urologist to get six weeks worth of antibiotics all from from a singular man oh yeah no the amount of yeast infections I've had from like nasty like guys it's just it's it's definitely it's your vagina's way of saying next thank you next um but yeah, and we're like we're not men haters. Like obviously the amount that we talk about them, like we we like men, like they're attractive. Like I want one in my life. And I've had I have had good experiences with men. Like we're definitely ragging on just our bad experiences. Because yeah, because it's fun so to talk re- about. And it's relatable. Like I hope the people listening like 
can relate. Yeah. I hope I well, I don't know. No. I don't want to say I hope you can relate. But no, it's kind of funny because it's like the second you talk about how amazing a guy is, like people are kind of like, shut the fuck up. Because it's like so many people are single, like me being single, someone's like, a guy is so amazing. I'm like, tell it to someone who cares, sweetie. Like, I don't need to hear about your successful relationship. But being single, if someone's telling you about this like horrible like dating experience, like sex experience, I have popcorn, like my feet are kicked up. Like I am like like I am so involved. Like I'm like asking questions. Like I want to know the TMI, the TMI, the T. Like I want to know everything. Like I will break out a slide deck. Yes. Like literally, tell me like what positions you did and why it was so bad and what exactly happened and like how the date went and like the talking points that he used because I want to know it all. And what were the transitions? Like how did things happen? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All the stories. All the. I want to know the lack of foreplay because like been there, done that. Like. Well, know everything. And I think it just goes to show, like, these fictional boyfriends, there are some boyfriends in real life that are like that in real life outside of the book. They're just hard to find. And I feel like our society, we should have more guys like this because clearly if we're writing about them, it's like they're, it's possible and we want them to be out in the real world. It's just impossible to find. Yeah. For right now, still looking. For right now, it's me, myself, and the vibrator. Yeah. And I think that the other part of that in modern dating is that, like, there are all these weird, like, subconscious standards. And, like, who the fuck is setting these? Like, don't sleep with a guy until the third date. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes, like, sometimes I don't want to do that. And I'm just like, you know what? I'll have a one night stand. And, like, that's that. But then other times I'm like, oh, like, I don't want to sleep with this guy. Like, and it's, like, the third date, so, like, I don't want to talk to him anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I used to never really think about these expectations because, like, I think in college, just, like, the rules are different, you know? Like, college standard versus young 20s standard. And, like, exactly, like, who's setting the standard? But now, like, being out of college where I kind of feel like more of an adult, like, yes, I also feel like I'm 16, but, like, I am an, a young adult. And I just feel like... I don't want to, like, sleep with guys right away. Like I said, like, unless they deserve it. But also I know that, like, if I want to have sex, like, I should. But I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, because I want to. I want to have sex, like we said. But, yeah, for right now, it's me, myself, and my vibrator. Yeah. I mean, and then... like, Which, actually, can I just plug that I bought Carly a new vibrator when we started talking about this because... What did you say? You had your little beginner vibrator. Yes. Set. Basically what happened is like I went through my breakup and like obviously like in my relationship for two years, like was having pretty consistent sex. Like we were long distance for a little bit. So I would like sometimes use my vibrator, but like, I don't know, like I just kind of stopped, stopped having me time as much. I don't know. Cause I like expected to get it from someone else, which like never do that. Like even in a even in a really healthy sexual relationship, like always have some me time because you can learn new things about yourself and then teach it to the person who's doing that stuff to you, pleasuring you. But I went through my breakup, and at first I was like feeling very asexual, which my people might be able to like understand. Like I felt so not turned on at all. Like my sex drive was basically zero. It was zilch. But then, of course, a couple months went by and I started continuing to read my little smut books. And one day I just I was like, wow, this makes me kind of feel something. And my beginner vibrator, it was my first vibrator ever. Like I'd only ever had one and it wasn't like doing it for me anymore. 
but I like my Amazon is linked to my parents, so I didn't want to order it on my Amazon. So here comes Mia. So I was like, girl, let me put you on. I have ordered this vibrator for three different friends, and they have all given five star reviews. You should literally get like money from this company. Oh my god! Like I you mean, should be their like, like ambassador. Sponsor me. It's the Satisfier Pro Two, specifically the two. I actually don't know if there's like a third edition yet. <laughs> we need this, a third. We need to level up. I have had this for years and it has never, ever, ever failed me. It is so incredible. Like, do yourself a favor. Go out and get one. Boys, if you're listening to this, I don't know get why it for you're your listening girlfriend. to this. Get, get it for your girlfriend. Yeah. It's, it makes, it's like the one where it's, it's supposed to like emulate like head, like oral. right? Like yeah. oral. And that's like the, like I get off mostly from head. Like yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like other things. Like I know in our little like smutty books and stuff. Like the the boyfriends are like amazing in bed, and they like make them come twice. Like once from head and once from sex. But for me, it's kind of like a head and then sex, and I'm it's gonna feel good. But it's pretty rare that I'm gonna come again just from penetrative sex. Yeah. Like that's like that's an actual book unrealistic expectation. That's 100%. actually unrealistic. But yeah, it. I tried it. Mia was like, you, she was like, it's going to change your life. And I kind of like, I got it, sat on my shelf for a while, finally gave that bitch a whirl, changed my life. I was like, woo, got to use this more often. I was like excited to go home at the end of the day. <laughs> oh my God. And it's amazing. Like you can literally bust it out and so literally, quickly, literally two minutes. Literally like, two minutes. <laughs> I mean, that's like any vibrator. Like it literally takes yes, like two minutes to like know like this thing. Was but, it, great. but it is so important to keep doing that. Like you said, like masturbation is literally like should be one of the most important and prioritized forms of sex because you should always be prioritizing your own pleasure. And I have had so many friends who haven't experienced what makes them feel good. Yeah. So how are you supposed to communicate that to a partner? Exactly. I feel like a lot of women our age are still pretty uneducated about sex and I think it's more of like a fear of sex because we're kind of taught as like young girls that it's like bad and we can't be sexual. Otherwise, we're like hoes or whores or sluts. Bad, bad words. Those words don't exist. But I just feel like women like should listen to this type of like our podcast, other podcasts, like listen to Call Her Daddy. Like she like teaches, she taught me so much about sex. Like when I was like first starting to have sex and like, that's like part of the reason why I was so confident about sex was literally Alexandra Cooper being like, go get a vibrator. Like, this is how you have sex. Like, this is how you come. Like, this is, this isn't even how to, how to make the guy come. Like, this is how you should come. Also, speaking of, Alex Cooper is the fucking blueprint because she literally was mm-hmm. the most independent bad bitch. She just got engaged to, like, the love of her life. Like, exactly. It's, it fucking happens. It's just a journey and everyone's journey is different. And so yeah. we're not trying to say that, like, your life or your dating life, like, needs to look like this or look a certain way. But, like, like we're saying, like, take it into your own fucking hands. Yeah. I mean, you're just doing a disservice to yourself and your partner if you don't know how to pleasure yourself. Because if you don't know how to pleasure yourself, how will they? And there's just been guys where they tell me they have, they're like, yeah, I've had a couple ex-girlfriends. And then, like, let's say we have sex and it's so bad. And, like, not not a lot of guys. Like, I've had experiences where the guy actually is good because I'm sure he learned a lot from his ex-girlfriend but I'm like this doesn't even like make me think you're bad at sex it just makes me think that your ex-girlfriend didn't know what she wanted and didn't tell you what she wanted at all so you just basically got like your bread and like she basically told you that she got her bread too but she didn't and it's just like sad because I'm like 
oh, I just Girl. wish your ex-girlfriend, like, would have, like, said something and, like, taught you, like, a little, a little something. Ladies, 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 how are we breaking the orgasm gap? How are we bridging that if we're not telling our partners mm. when we aren't finishing? I know too many people that have never even used a vibrator. And I'm like, bro. I mean, it took me a long time to, like, actually finally buy a vibrator. Like, I don't think I had one until junior year of college like I never used one before I bought one at like 16 no I was like (laughs) so embarrassed I remember this is a funny story me and all my friends one of our our senior year of high school bucket list was to buy vibrators so we all went to CVS we picked the same vibrator and one by one we checked out with this like man the cashier man at CVS and we just silently all checked out our vibrators and it was the funniest thing we've ever done and I never used that vibrator once wait the fact that you bought it at CVS first the fact and the fact (laughs) that later on we were like we could have just gone to Target and done self-checkout and saved ourselves the embarrassment well so actually plug small business if you're in Austin Texas the sex shop dreamers off of I-35 literally can't say enough good things about it so I had the same exact thing my college friends and I they had never owned a vibrator or like anything like that and so this was like deep COVID like late 2020 and we were super bored and sitting at home and we were like I was like, you know what? Fuck it, ladies. Like, I'm taking you to get your vibrators, and we're going, and, like, Mm -hmm. I needed some lube or, like, whatever. (laughs) She's like, I'm taking you guys because I need to go anyways. No, literally. I was kind (laughs) of like, let's go. And it's 24-7, I think. So we ended up going at, like, 2 in the morning, and... Just had such a had such a little fun time, like picking stuff out for each other and looking around. Oh, it's so fun! It's so fun. I love seeing all the different things they have. It makes me be like, I wonder what that's like. You know, like some of these like crazy vibrators or like crazy dildos. Like, it's just like the the world is your oyster yeah. in these sex shops. Yeah, so many things left to try. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think overall, we just the point we're trying to make is that. We love reading and we love our fictional boyfriends, but it is also really hard when we feel like we can't find that in real life. Exactly. And I think, like, they're out there. We know that they are, but I just wish there was more. I wish, like, more boys were reading books like this and kind of being like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be like, so I should. And I don't really know. Like, our, obviously, our society is a little fucked up and, like, the patriarchy, things like that. But I just wish, like, women's pleasure and just, like, you know, a fictional boy. Like, I wish it was, like, a topic that people focused on. That it was less, it's like, I just want it to be less taboo. Mm -hmm. Because if people don't feel comfortable talking about these things and sharing, like, me and Carly will fucking hash it out over, like, oh, my God, this scene was so hot. Oh, my God. Like. Yeah. No, like, we're, like, in the local Starbucks, like, using, like, first and last names, like, talking about, like, everything. And, like, we have no shame. But yeah, like when I talk to some of my girlfriends, like I'll start stories with me like this is a TMI. And I love when girls are like nothing is a TMI because there's the girls where they are like uncomfortable. And that's like totally fair. Like everyone has their preferences. But I love just being completely open. And I honestly appreciate a guy who is like, yeah, like no TMI. Like you can talk to me about anything. I mean, even like someone the other day, they're a boy and I was talking about Akatar. And I was like, yeah, like, it's a little girly. Like, it's written from the female gaze. Like, so you might, like, I don't know if you'll like it. And he was like, honestly, the female gaze is better than the male gaze. And I was like, amen to that. On the next episode of Reading and Ranting, we'll be talking about Book Talk's favorite book, Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. Get ready because this book is a ride. A literal ride because it's just Dragon College. 
And we're always looking for book recs. So if you have a suggestion, shoot us a DM on TikTok at Reading and Ranting Pod or email readingandrantingpod at gmail.com. Happy reading. Until next time, besties.